Reach all the ladies in the house. Put your hands together for yourselves. You are so special. You are so special in the house of God. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. That's why countries are called here. Gods are called here. Your car is here. So you are very, very special. The first person to minister the gospel of revival, it was a woman. Men had gone to hiding. The Bible says the disciples, they went, they hid because they were afraid of Herodes, they were afraid of Pontius Pilate, they were afraid of the belligerent powers of the Jewish community of that particular time. But the Bible says, Mary, she said, I'm going to lean around until I see the manifestation of what Jesus Christ prophesied before he left. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ revealed himself unto Mary. Mary then wanted to hug Jesus Christ, and Christ said that, uh, don't hurt me. Why? Because sin is contagious. See? That particular time, Christ had not yet gone to heaven to be glorified and had not ascended. So Christ said unto Mary, don't hurt me, but rather go to my disciples as well as Peter and tell them that we have to meet in Galilee. The Bible says he met with them for 40 days, ministering unto them, bringing them back again to salvation because that particular time, Peter had left ministry, had gone. Why? Because they were afraid of the belligerent powers, of the despotic powers of the, the systems and the governments that were of that particular time. But Mary, she was strong. Come on, somebody shout, Mary was strong. Mary was strong. And she kept on looking until. So sometimes if you want to see in the realm of the spirit, there is a technology that you must use. The technology is called seeing and lingering. You must continue to linger and keep on looking. Then God will open your eyes in the realm of the Spirit. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. Uh, let's open our Bibles to the book of uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, subsection 15. And we want to hear the mind of Jesus Christ this morning as we are left with about uh, three weeks to wrap up the year 2023, which is about 21 days. But we want to talk uh, about something that is very important as we'll be looking, pointing at the life of Jesus Christ. The title of my message is the doctrine of interpenetration or the law of interpenetration. I've been speaking about doctrine. We know that the word doctrine comes from a Latin word doctrina, which means a board of truth that has been designed to make a student look exact that doctrine. So, uh, with the in the book of Second Corinthians, chapter five, subsection fifteen. If you are there, shout amen. amen. The Bible reads, "And he died for all, so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again for this sake." Can we read together, or someone with a different version? Second Corinthians five, verse fifteen. Do I have someone with a different vision? Subsection 15. Uh, I wouldn't want to learn. Let me use the uh, English version and you read it. Alright. I didn't even check. Uh, yeah, it's every fight. Second Corinthians 5, person number 15. Yep. And he died for all. Come on, somebody shout, and he died for all. And he died for all. That those who live. Come on, shout. That those who live. 
might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Glory. The new living says, He died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Uh, he there is who? He there. Come on, shout. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Glory be to Jesus. So it's Apostle Paul's rendition and synopsis about Jesus Christ. Yet a deeper understanding of Jesus Christ. So I want you to trek with me. Lend me your ears. I'm not going to be repetitive today. I will not repeat any revelation, any thoughts. I will be cruising so that I may work within the premises of my time. So if this is Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul, Paul he was a theologian and a philosopher par excellence. So he had a deeper understanding of the life of Jesus Christ, contrary to the other disciples. You will find out that the other disciples, which we call as synoptic gospels, they had a geographical and historical understanding of Jesus Christ. Either they walked with Jesus Christ, but when it comes to the Apostle, Apostle Paul, Yet grace that is superlative that was given by God to the extent that he started to know things that were not revealed unto other disciples by the reason of the grace that was upon his life. That's why you find out that there was a condition between Peter and Apostle Paul if you read the book of Acts. Because Paul, he used to speak things that was never and that were never mentioned by Jesus Christ but that was spiritual and philosophical to the extent that uh, Peter, at one particular time, he called for a meeting with the elders, the likes of James, who was the cousin brother of Jesus Christ, and said, let's stop Paul. Why? Because some of the things that he speaks, they are psychosomatic. These things, they are not in line with the gospel, because Paul is starting now to, to introduce the uh, gospel of restitution, that was never revealed to the disciples, introduced the gospel of justification that we are justified in Jesus Christ. That was never exposed to the disciples. He introduced the gospel of, 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 of uh, predestinations that was never revealed unto the other disciples. He started now to bring the issues of grace. You know, grace was never really uh, exhausted in the time of Jesus Christ. Um, but Paul, when he's coming now, According to the book of Romans, he spoke a lot about grace. He spoke a lot uh, about uh, the life of Jesus Christ be behind the scenes, things that were never exposed to the Sadducees and Pharisees. They knew Jesus Christ as the boy who was 12 years old. He entered the temple. Then he spoke uh, with the elders of the temple, and they were baffled by the wisdom of Jesus Christ. They knew Christ as the man who started ministry at 30. Three years old, uh, three years after he then left the ministry, they knew Christ. But Paul now is bringing the issues of um, justification, glorification, callings, bringing now again the issues of, of gifts and callings, then ordering gifts and callings. Paul was not an ordinary person. If you have got time and you want to understand Jesus Christ and the gospel, study the life of Paul. Paul was not an ordinary minister of the gospel. Because Paul, when he entered uh, the city of Corinth, it was just a city, 
that had a lot of confusion. It was a city that had a lot of problems to the extent that the problems of Corinth made Paul to start a church in Corinth and to write letters in Corinth first and second, which means if there were no problems in Corinth, Paul was not going to write to the church of Corinth and to establish a church in Corinth. So we thank God for the challenges in Corinth that made Paul to then establish a ministry in Corinth. Then we thank God for the life of the Corinthians that they accepted the gospel of Paul. Not only they accepted, they accepted the teaching of Paul. So it simply means that sometimes problems in a city, in a family, or in a person's life, they are a platform for God to start something new. The Bible says the church in Corinth was much gifted. It was so much gifted to the extent that they started to use gifts in an, act, uh, an, an, uh, in, in, in an ordinary manner, an uncommon manner, to the extent that this came to Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul came to Corinth and he said, No, what you are doing, I want to order it. By the reason of the Holy Spirit, how can a man order gifts, start to separate and say, You, when you feel like this, is called the weight of knowledge, it's called the weight of wisdom. You, this is uh, just discernment. You, this is faith. That cannot be done by an ordinary person. He then started to separate. And these people, when they were doing this, they were just doing this in a batched manner. When they could prophesy, when they could act in the spirit, they could just do it. But Paul, you could stand and say, open your mouth, speak. While you're speaking, you could say, you, this is a gift of prophecy. Sit there. While you're there, you could say, these are just tongues. Then they could separate tongues and say these are called diversity of tongues. Then they could separate and say this is in the interpretation of tongues. That cannot be done by an ordinary person. He's ordering by the help of the Holy Spirit. So in, under the law of interpenetration, we are looking at Jesus Christ as Apostle Paul is saying that uh, and he died for all, which is you and me. He died for all of us. That is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says so that those who live might live no longer and for themselves, you and me, we are cajoled not to live for ourselves, but for Jesus Christ. That's the doctrine of interpenetration. We have entered Christ when he died, then Christ entered us. So which means my life and Jesus Christ's life is the same. So in spiritual accounting, not only Jesus Christ died, it's you who died with Jesus Christ according to the spiritual authority and accounting. Physically, it seems like Christ died alone. But according to the spiritual accounting, we died together. So what God did by his authority, he included you in Christ Jesus so that anything that happened to Jesus Christ happened to you. His death happened to you. His burial happened to you. His resurrection happened to you. His ascension happened to you and glorification. And while you are seated, at the right hand of power, you were seated together with Jesus Christ. So when God was dealing with Jesus Christ, he was dealing with you through Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ had no sin. Jesus Christ had not uh, transgressed him. Jesus Christ had no iniquity. So whatever is happening in the life of Jesus, he's dealing with you. That's the mind of God. That's the revelation of God. When Jesus Christ is suffering poverty, he's dealing with you, he's not dealing with Jesus Christ. So the poverty of Jesus Christ now becomes a currency in the realms of the spirit, so that if I want to buy health, I then use that which was done in Jesus Christ 
while you are stealing with me. So most of the negatives that transpired in Jesus Christ were not just negatives, but they were currencies in the realms of the spirit. When Jesus Christ was crucified, I was crucified and my such problems were crucified. So, which means the devil does not have power over my life and authority. What was God is dealing with me? When Jesus Christ passed through people that hated him for no apparent reason, he dealt with the haters and people that sold him to point as Pilate to Herod and all the systems. He was dealing with you, not Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ did not have to die. Jesus Christ did not have to suffer. So he was dealing with my suffering. That's why Isaiah, when he's coming, the Bible says, by his stripes we are held. Because of his chastisement, now we are at a better place. So the disadvantages of Jesus Christ were being translated into currents so that they become my advantages. That's why now we then theologically confess that when he died, I died with Jesus Christ. When he was buried, I was buried with Jesus Christ when he resurrected. I was resurrected with Jesus Christ when he ascended up to heavens. I was ascended together with Jesus Christ when he was glorified. My glorification was in Jesus Christ when he sat at the right hand of power. I sat together with Jesus Christ. That is a powerful confession, but it passes through confession. That's life and the doctrine of interpenetration. So when he was put in that grave, we were together with Jesus Christ working my life. So we became involved with him. Why and how on account of, of God's sovereignty. That's how we became involved in the life of Jesus Christ. So the scope of my Christianity and your Christianity syllabus is tied in God's sovereignty. Without God's sovereignty, we don't have a proper syllabus and we don't have a proper position in God. So the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, of God bless us in Jesus Christ. So if you want to understand God, it's always saying that you cannot understand God outside Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ was the impression, expression, imprint, personality and character of God. So God himself is spirit. Then he brought the syllabus of Jesus Christ so that when we study Jesus Christ now and understand Jesus, we've understood God. When we look at Jesus Christ's behavior, character, that's the character of God. So this is what God does. God is spirit and is in the spirit. But for you to understand the spirituality, it then exposes you to the physicality. The Bible says whatever is seen was created from the invisible. So the reason why God allowed the visible to be there is so that we understand the invisibility. Because without the visibility, it's very difficult for you to understand the invisibility. So if the earth was not there, and God then asked me to preach to you about the earth, it was going to be difficult for you to understand the earth. But if I preach about the earth to you, because you can see it, I then tell you that this same earth is in the realm of the spirit. If we were not bodily, we were spirits, we were phantoms, then I start to teach you about bodies that are in the heavenly places. You are not going to have a pictorial understanding of what a body looks like. So God then translated our spirituality into body form. So that when the Bible says there are bodies that are celestial, bodies that are terrestrial, now you've got a pictorial understanding of what a body looks like. So when Jesus Christ is coming now, he's a template for us to understand God. Just imagine 
If Jesus had not come, then we preach God and we don't understand the personality of Jesus. It was going to be difficult for us to understand the personality of God. So when you see the love of Jesus Christ, that's the same love of God. So you cannot celebrate God outside Jesus Christ. And you cannot understand God outside Jesus Christ because it's part and parcel of triune. So the coming of Jesus Christ was an adventure by God. So that you and me, we may understand him better. Then not only understand, we may participate in the life of Christ. That's why he's the big brother when we deal with Jesus Christ. The difference between Christianity and other religions and other sects and, and cliques is that Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship. Whereby when I, I, I look at God, God does not become a deity that I cannot reach and I cannot talk to you, but God becomes my father. There is a relationship. Then when I look at Jesus Christ, he's not a small deity that when you touch, you are hit by lightning, but he becomes a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So that's a relationship. When I go to God now, I don't go, I don't have to bow 20 times to reach God. I can walk to God while putting my hands in my pocket and say, Daddy, I don't have peace. Can I have peace? And God grants you peace without judging you. I can go to God and say, God, I need a change of life. I need a, a, list, a new list of life without any, any, any form of protocol that I must use, knowing that I have to use a certain way. Then I go to him, he grants me. But when you go to, to, to some other religions, you understand that you cannot just reach and approach the God of that religion without doing a lot of things. I've been watching Hinduism. You don't enter any temple of Hinduism wearing your slopes or your shoes. You don't enter Hinduism without wearing a duke or a tuban. You don't enter Hinduism without bowing, bowing 20 times. Why not this a deity? But when you walk in the house of God, you put your cologne, you have confidence, then you know that I'm going to Delhi because there's a relationship. The same way your son or your daughter comes to you and demands, that's, that's why God said, come and argue. The word argue, it means argue. When he said, come and argue with me, you have the right to argue on the basis of his word. If things are not going well with you, you can even hit your table and say, Daddy, I want you to come right now. I'm acting my nature. He does not kill you for that because we're in a relationship. He then says, uh, come and make petitions. You know that when people are making petitions, you hold your placard and say that, I mean, the reason why people make petitions is because you have the right to a certain sect or a certain nation, but your rights are not being respected. Then you rise, you rise up as a creek, then you go to union building, you make a petition to the president and say, President, we are suitors, we are Zulus, we are not being respected. That's a petition, you write, and you go and you petition to God, but not with Bala, not with Allah. That's a relationship. So, because we are in a relationship, that's an interpenetration that God brought us into. So the basis of our knowledge of Jesus Christ is tied on the life of Jesus that is in us, that is the Zoe, that's the basis of our knowledge. We will never know Christ outside the life of Christ that is in us, with our intellectuality, with our cognition. We know him best on this, the life that is given. And that life 
is tied in us by the Holy Spirit. Apostle Paul says that we don't know how to pray. Not only pray, we don't know how to worship. Not only worship, we don't know how to preach. Not only preaching, we don't know how to prosper. Not only prosperity, we don't know how to talk. Not only talking, we don't know how to behave. We don't know. So you can put whatever you don't know. Then, but the Holy Spirit makes intercessions, helps us in a lot of things. So when we claim and say the life of Christ is in us or the Zoe, we are saying that our knowledge of Jesus Christ is not tied on what we've learned in theology, but it's tied on the life that's within us. Come on, somebody shout amen. Amen. So this is how God deals with believers. When God wants to deal with you and me as believers, before you get into the realms of the spirit and you know God more, he introduces you to his word first. Then when you understand the world and the word is full in you, then you understand the precepts of the world and how the word operates. Then he introduces himself or reduces himself in the spirit. Because God is spirit. So he then brings the word. Then he says, study me. Then after you study me and you understand me through the word, then I reveal myself unto you. So which simply means that in as much as you can be a woman or a man of discernment, God can block your discernment not to discern in the spirit, prophetically or apostol apostolically, so that you understand him through the word. Come on, some sharp words. Then when you understand him through the word, then he reveals himself according to that area that you have understood him. Which means if I understand that God is my daddy, is my father, is Abba, is my source of life, my source of sustenance, he then reveals himself in the spirit. All the areas that I don't understand God through the word, he does not reveal himself. I'm not talking about in this place. Then when I move again, then I understand God through the word as a God who prospers. He reveals himself in prosperity. That's why the Bible says when the light comes, the darkness will be pushed or dispersed out. So when you put light in a certain area, I give you a case study. The Bible says after Jesus Christ died, the Bible says there were two men, Cleopas, they were going to Amos. As they were going to Amos, they were speaking about the death of Jesus Christ, how painful it was and how, how heartless people are. As they were talking about Jesus Christ, the Bible says Jesus Christ appeared among Cleopas and the other brother, and they were talking going to the house. When he appeared, Jesus Christ, he then appeared as like a man, not like Jesus. Then he closed him. Cleopas, he was one of the apostles who was known for prophecy, for, for discernment. The man was astute and erudite in the spirit. But Jesus Christ put a blockade on Cleopas' power to, to discern. Why? Because Christ wanted Cleopas to understand Christ through the word first. Then he reduced himself in the spirit. The Bible says while they were speaking, they were saying they took Master Christ and they crucified him. They spread at him. Then they buried him. Jesus Christ appeared and said, what are you talking about? And Cleopas said unto Jesus, not knowing that it was Jesus, don't you know what transpired in Jerusalem? That the man called Jesus Christ, the Savior, he was taken by the authorities, he was crucified by the authorities, they buried this Jesus Christ and they put soldiers upon his grave. And Jesus Christ continued to act as if he didn't know what was transpiring, closing their power of discernment. Then when Jesus Christ started to speak and said, don't you know why he said this man? 
Yet we say that in his preaching that yet though they are going to do all these things that they are going to do, on the third day he's going to resurrect. He said that they will bury him the first day, the second day in the grave, the third day is going to resurrect him. He's going to ascend. They were not listening now unto Jesus because he wanted them to understand him through the scriptures. If they were understanding through the scriptures now, when now there was an enlightenment upon Cleopasy, then he said, I pray for sure that the same Jesus Christ, then Jesus Christ revealed himself unto them. Then he left. Cleopas then looked at him and said, with Jesus Christ. So that's how he's going to operate with you. That when you want to know Jesus Christ in any area of life, he's going to block your discernment until you understand him through scripture. He's going to block your prophecy until you understand him through scripture. He's going to block prosperity. He's going to block peace in life until you understand him through scripture. The moment you understand him through scriptures, then he's going to reveal himself. A lot of people, they walk through the Christ. And not knowing that he was Christ. When he took disciples from Philip up to the last disciple, he was just a ordinary Christ, teaching them scriptures every each and every time, so that they may understand him through scripture. At one particular time, Christ said unto the disciples that I one day I'm gonna go to my daddy and I'm gonna be buried. And Philip said unto Jesus Christ that no, you ain't gonna go. And Jesus Christ said unto Philip, if I not been with you for many years. To the extent that you are refusing me to die. Then when Philip understood Jesus Christ better, he refused himself unto Philip. The Bible says, Peter, he said unto Christ, Far be it from you that you are going to die. You ain't gonna die. Rather, I'm gonna die on your space. Jesus understood that these guys have not yet understood me through scripture. Then he continued with Peter until Peter understood Christ through scripture. That's why when he resurrected, the Bible says he went unto Galilee, where they were fishing, he sat down, he ate a fish, this bright fish, Peter saw Jesus, they recognized Jesus. The Bible says he gathered all of them, then he started to teach them again for 40 days. Why? Because he knew that if he was going to live without them understanding him through scripture, they were not going to capture the realm of the spirit. That's why even Peter, up to the time of Paul, he had problems with Paul because he did not have full understanding of Jesus Christ through scriptures. That Jesus Christ is beyond what you see. There is life in Jesus Christ in that family that is spiritual. There are other aspects of life. So, which means as a child of God, in closing, as you live, because Christ passed through these temptations, Apostle Paul says that that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's Apostle Paul. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and fellowship of his death. It's not knowledge that is uh, synesis, but this experiential knowledge. That number one, that I may know him through the power of his death. Which means in every believer's life, there is an aspect of death that you must pass through. So coming to the house of God every Sunday, thinking that you are going to just live in a glorious aspect of life is a lie. That's the wrong doctrine. You must know that if I participated in Christ, that I may know him through the power of his death. Apostle Paul passed through all these things. Apostle Paul did not suffer the spiritual only, but the physical. At one particular time, the Bible says he was lowered through a basket when he wanted to kill Paul. At one particular time, he was left outside the city to die. At one particular time, he left the city because they wanted to stone him. 
at one particular time, he was present. Why? Because he wanted to know him through the power of his death. So in your life, as a woman of God, as a man of God, you are going to experience death. So there is a death aspect in every believer's life. Not only a glory aspect, the life of this place. You would be death in every aspect. When I speak of every aspect, I'm talking finance, financially. I'm talking relationship-wise. I'm talking marriage-wise. I'm talking even material-wise. You will die in a certain area. You work so hard, but finances are not coming together. There is an aspect. Accept it. Then Apostle Paul said that, so that I may know him again through the fellowship of somebody of his death. So you fellowship with the Christ because there's a doctrine of interpenetration that Christ passed through. The aspect of Christ only, because what happened with the Christ is this, that there are works that were done by Jesus Christ at Calvary. Those works are not going to deliver you. But these are testimonies. But there are current works that are being done by the Holy Spirit. Which means Christ was crucified at Calvary. Am I kidding somebody? And the Bible says poverty was crucified, but why am I still poor? Death was crucified, but why are we still dying? The Bible says sickness is crucified, but why are we still sick? Why? Because we have for the one constant aspect of Christ, of the finished work. We are for the finished work of Christ and the current works of Christ, which means there must be an immutable relationship between the finished work and the current works of the Holy Spirit. He said unto his disciples, I ain't gonna leave as offerings, but I'm gonna send the one of the same kind. So, which means if Christ died for me so that I may be poor, that's fine now. But for me to overcome adversity in my current life, I must appreciate the current work of the Holy Spirit. How does it work? If I'm speaking in tongues, Kabashto, Imbrohashto, Cobra, Zubreto, these are tongues that I know. This is current, and this is finished work, man. When I speak these tongues, there is a time when the Spirit takes over these current works. So you must be in a position to be sensitive that when you open your mouth and Kabashto, Zubrohashto, Zikrohashto, this unfinished works, but the moment the Holy Spirit shifts in, in my tongues, they now cease to be finished work tongues, they become power. These are the tongues now that goes down to your village. These are the tongues now that start to deal with your circumstances that are current. Me and the prophecy, there is current work of prophecy that when I open my mouth, I can speak things in life by the gift of faith. But there are current works of God, which means every Sunday, if I want, I can lift you up and if I, see, I see the grace of God. I see people are going to attack you. These are current works, but these are finished works. But there is a current work where I'll tell you that there is something that God wants to reach with the right sound. And after the service, you see a heat of the Holy Spirit and the glory of God. So for you to cling to the finished work of Christ, the thing that you are going to conquer the devil, that's a lie. You must appreciate the finished and the current works. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. He's then now to yoke you with the current works. Power of Jesus Christ. He defeated the enemy thousand years and years ago. But it seems like the enemy is always taking our doorstep. How do we push the enemy from our doorstep? By current works. How do we get ourselves in the current works? 
by the grace of the Holy Spirit. This is what we us now in our current works. Why? Because we know him by the power of his death and fellowship and his resurrection. So Jesus resurrected, then we have to resurrect each and every time. Amen. To be with somebody in this place. Amen. I want to prophesy over my life as I'm closing. That let the life of Christ be. Be upon you. Amen. No demons are going to attack your life. Amen. Why? Because you carry the story of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let Christ, you know, you know, that's why it's very difficult for me to understand and appreciate a person who exhibits the spirituality without understanding the word. It's very difficult. If you want to see that this person is fake or is pseudo, you must check the white exposure and the spirituality be, be because. The law of the spirit says, for you to know the spirit, you must pass through the word. You understand God through his word. You must understand God through Jesus. Then he, he reveals himself in the spirit. So if you don't have the word, and you don't have a relation about the word, how did you manage to get in the spirit? That's the question. Because the door to the spirit is the word. The spirit now, he then helps you to swim or buoyant through the words that you have. When you are in the realm of the spirit, what keeps you in the realm of the spirit? What sustains you in the realm of the spirit is the word that you love. So if the spirit now takes you without the word, you can plunge in spiritism. So what makes a person who is spiritual not to become a spiritist is the word. So when the whole spirit is looking at you, you are like this power. When you don't have the word and the whole spirit plunges you in the spirit, you can, you can become a spiritist number one. It can even affect your life. You may not be in a position to differentiate reality and hallucination. So what keeps you saying while you are flowing in the spirit of the world? That's the one that keeps your mind. So that when you prophesy, you can engage yourself deep in the spirit. Then after church, I can laugh with you and say, how are you? And joke with you. What was the way that you that is keeping me, governing me, and controlling me? So, if I can clutch in the spirit without understanding the word as Jesus could teach theopathy, that raises up a lot of questions. So for you right now, as well living in this place, to understand and to start to appreciate the dimensions that you are claiming and that you are coveting for from God, this is the recipe and prescription. If there is any area in your life where you are saying, God, reveal yourself, First, you shall receive you himself through the word. Understand his word according to that area, then it's going to plunge you in the spirit. If right now you ask me to lecture you about prophecy, I can take 20 years lecturing left, right, center, because I have understood it's not in the spirit, but physically, I have been biased in prophetically. That's how God pushed me in the realm of the spirit. If you ask me about prayer and say, teach me, I don't need to stretch my heart. Why? Because through scriptures, I read and understood what prayer can do. So it is for me now to swim through that door of prayer. If you ask me things about the apostolic, I can teach you without going back to my notes. Why? Because I understood those things by learning. After I believe, the Holy Spirit now pushed me in the spirit. So that's how he operates. You know a certain area, it then pushes you, then it guides you. That's how he acted with Paul. He said unto Paul, after Paul gave a revelation 
and Jesus Christ. Go unto a street called Straight, and the Bible says that he went unto the street called Straight. Then God ministered unto Ananias and said, God, there, you are going to see Saul, who later was returning in the fall, and Ananias was afraid, and God said, Don't worry, I'm going to give you grace. The Bible says when Ananias went unto Paul, he prayed for Paul. The Bible says skills that the blinded Paul fell from Paul's eyes. These were not fish skills. These were skills of knowledge that God was plunging out Paul into a dimension of revelation. Because the days that he was closed his eyes, God was putting the talent of Paul that you are now dealing with my church. Now I'm plunging you into another dimension. The Bible says, after I was prayed for, elders they gathered together and they said unto Paul, before you start to get in the spirit, go back to Tarsus. You went back to Tarsus, that's when Paul was born. For seven years, you was being taught by the elders in the church. You were sitting for seven years in the church like you and me. Being taught of the gospel, understanding Christ through the word. After seven years, that's when the elders went to Tarsus and they said, bring Paul. Then after he was brought from Tarsus, the Bible says, you are sailed for three years to Arabia. And they said, go there now, let the Holy Spirit teach you through the word that you lead in Tarsus. Do you see the progression of God? Paul did not just wake up doing miracle signs and wonders. After three years, he was brought back to Jerusalem. Paul was moving in power. Paul was moving in the spirit. And then there were no questions about his power. Because seven years, three years, then he's in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is working with Paul. Can you stand your feet? Father, we thank you. Father, we honor you. We bless you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the gift and the doctrine of interpretation. Thank you for entering us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making us one with you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I decree, like declare, and prophesy. Let God give you the grace to understand His word. As you understand His word, let the Holy Spirit help you to flow in the realm of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, every aspect of your life that you are believing God for. I prophesy, let his words leap out from the pages and become a reality unto you. When it is written about you, that you are rising up, I prophesy the scriptures are living out in Jesus' mighty name. Pray, let the church of God shout a glorious amen. God bless you, thank you so much. May God bless you, amen. May God give you no Christ and may continue to be a believer in Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you. I'll give this time to the next program. God bless. Who am I handing the mic to? Sister Emma, come take the mic. Then you lead us and tell us what's the next phase in Jesus' mind. Amen. So I have to cut my notes. So to them that wants my notes, you just buy my CDs. So there's part two, part three, part four. This, this was just an introduction. God bless you, amen. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe again to the YouTube channel. Then I put a, a Spotify account as well. Then go there, you'll get uh, your, your, the word there in Jesus' mighty name, amen. God